Well, good morning once again. We're so glad you're here. Um, my name is Chris. You mo- guys, most, most of you guys know me, but if you don't, hi. I'm honored to be spending my Sunday with you. I want to start today with a question where I'm going to ask you to be completely, 100%, brutally open and honest. Deal? How many of us believe in the power of prayer? How many of us believe that when we pray, when others pray, when a group of people prays, that God listens, that there is power in prayer, that prayer can change things? How many of us believe in that power, but don't really pray very often? Or maybe you're in a different camp. Maybe you believe in the power of prayer. Maybe every chance you get, you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray. And yet, you're always thinking, my prayers don't seem to work. Anybody? We are finishing up a series called A Better Way. Where we have been looking at the way Jesus lives. Not just the truth that Jesus gives us, which is amazing in itself. But the way Jesus lived his life. The way Jesus lived his life. And last week we said that one of the top priorities for Jesus was to be in the moment, to be present with whatever was going on. But I think even more than that, if we could say there is one constant in Jesus' life, that is no matter what's going on, no matter how crazy his life gets, no matter how many demands Jesus had on him, no matter how many weird people he's dealing with out there, no matter how many people he's trying to keep from being stoned, the Roman government getting out there, one thing that is constant about Jesus is that he consistently always sought his father in prayer. Jesus always prioritized the presence of God in his life through prayer. And if we really want the presence of God in our lives, the way that we do that is through prayer. And look at the things Jesus was able to do through this connection he had with his father, through this line of prayer, this line of constant communication. Jesus was able to overcome great temptations. Remember, Jesus was human. He was fully God, but he was also fully human. So he was dealing with all the same stuff that we deal with from a human standpoint. He was able to overcome all that. He was able to remain faithful to God. I imagine it would have been pretty easy for Jesus just to be like, oh, nope, sorry, I'm not going to do this. But his constant prayer uh, communication, that prayer line he had with his father was always working. Through his connection with God through prayer, he was able to heal people. He was able to love people who were unlovable. He was able to do some pretty amazing things. And if we want what Jesus had, then we have to pray like Jesus prayed. And yet, so many of us don't. And I have to admit that of all the things you would count as Christian qualities, prayer is the one thing that I consider myself a failure at. So you're not alone. Many of us don't have a prayer life like that. Why do we struggle so much? 
Why do we struggle to be consistently in that zone with God? Why do we struggle to have prayers that are effectual and fervent, as Scripture says? Why do we, why do we struggle with that part of our lives? And I want to talk about a couple of things. The first thing is, is that I think some of us lack focus. Some of us, like me, have this kind of adult ADHD thing going on with our prayers. I'm telling you what, I get in the zone. Maybe you're the same way. I get in the zone. I'm down there. I'm praying hard. And then something happens. Squirrel. Although for me, it's usually not a squirrel. I pray in my living room. And if you've ever been to my house, there's like this big bow bay window. I don't know what it's called, but it's a big window. And I'll tell you what, more than once or twice or three times, I'll be down there praying in the morning. And there must be some sabotage birds out there because they fly into my window. They fly into my window. I'm in the middle of prayer. As soon as that bird hits the window, I'm done. I'm spent. I'm spent. My mind wanders. Maybe you're the same way. Or maybe, I, you know, maybe you just get a little bored. Come on, be honest. I do. <laughs> I have even once or twice fallen asleep in the middle of a prayer. And then you always got to wonder, right? Well, does it really count if you don't say amen? It does, by the way. It does, by the way. Some of us just lack that focus to do that. Some of us lack confidence. And if you've ever been around one of those prayer warrior kind of people, it's easy to kind of like shrink back and not have the confidence to pray. There are people in this church. I'm married to one of them, by the way. Sorry, Susie. There are people in this church who should be professional prayers. I mean, we're praying scripture verses. We're quoting chapter, verse, number, who was there, the context. We're quoting names of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, and I'm over here. Like Jehovah Nisan Maxima. We lack the confidence. I'm like, if I get out, God bless the meat. Now it's time to eat. You know, I'm good. We lack the confidence. We don't really know how. Some of us lack focus. Some of us lack confidence. And some of us lack faith. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about the faith in Jesus. I'm not talking about saving faith. I'm, not, I'm talking more about the trust side of faith. We know that God listens but somewhere in our brain, it has disconnected that he really cares. We've tried. We've prayed. We've done all the things that scripture tells us to do, and it just don't work. We've prayed for our marriage or our relationship. And yet, after all that prayer, there's still a rift in there. We've prayed for some illness to be healed in a friend, in a relative, in ourselves, some situation to be taken care of, and yet it's still there. We've prayed, we've prayed for the addiction to go away. Susie and I prayed for so many years that God would just take the taste of drugs out of my son's mouth, and he didn't. Some of us lack that faith. We get to this point where what's the point in praying anymore? Prayer might work for other people, might work for you guys out there, but it sure hasn't worked for me. How do we get back? How do we get back? to the place we're supposed to be in this constant line of communication when we've given up on prayer. And so, Father God, this is a heavy topic because we know you desire to be in constant communication with us. We, you, we know that you desire 
a relationship that is not just transactional, that is not just one day a week, that is not just when things go bad, but that is 24-7, 365. And if we get this right, God, I know that you have a lot in store for our lives. So help us to just soak in, soak in what you have to say for us today, God. Help us to open ourselves up, to be brutally honest, to examine if there is areas in our prayer life that need to be changed, that need to be updated, or maybe even just need to be started, that you allow us, you empower us to listen and to respond, God. And I ask that we all leave here differently than we came in, having been changed by your word. Use me however you see fit. And I pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Together as a church, we'll say amen. If you're at home, type amen. Listen, to understand what prayer is, I want to first start with what prayer isn't. Prayer is not a formal presentation. It's not some prepared speech that you're getting up like the valedictorian of your class. We used to, we used to attend a church. In fact, this was kind of a running joke with me and Susie. We used to attend a church where they would call up the same guy every week to say the blessing before the offering. And I'm telling you what, man, that guy could pray. Not only could he pray, but he prayed in old King James Version English. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, you know. It was like this big formal thing. I think he had written this prayer out. It was, you know, he had rehearsed this prayer. Prayer is not a formal presentation. It's also, by the way, it's also not a wish list. It's not just us coming to God saying, God, would you give me this? Would you give me that? Would you help me this? Would you do this? Would you do this? Like we can insert our prayer coin in some spiritual vending machine and pull a lever and God's going to give us exactly what we want. It's not, it's not a wish list, but it's also not a spiritual negotiation. It's not, well, God, if you give me what I'm asking for, I will do this for you. Guess what? God don't need what we can do for him. It's not a spiritual negotiation. But I will say, this is a true story, this is actually how I ended up coming back to Jesus. Because when Susie met me, I was out of work, I was out of a job. And so I actually started praying. We started praying together. God, if you find us a job, find us a career, we promise we will be faithful coming to church and faithful in our tithes and faithful in all that kind of stuff. And sure enough, you know what God did? He found me a job. And so I started going back to church. But it is not normally a spiritual negotiation. It's also not a performance to impress God. Guess what? You cannot impress God. I don't care how eloquent your prayers are. God will not be impressed by that. What, God, what impresses God is that you just do it. And you do it all the time. It's also, by the way, not a show to impress other people. And I think this gets a lot of us. This gets a lot of us because we want to be like, we want to sound like we really know what we're doing when we're praying. We want to sound like we really have it all down. We want to put those names of God in there. We want to put the scripture verses in there. And so we end up faking it so many times because we just say words without meaning. But Jesus teaches us by the way he lived his life by the way, we see him interact with all the things and situations around him. That, that prayer isn't just an action that you do. Prayer is a way that you live. This is the way Jesus lived his life. He always prioritized the presence of God through prayer in his life. We see it all through scripture. Jesus would lead the crowd to go talk to his father. He would get up early in the morning to go talk to his father. He would be off by himself to talk to his father. He would be alone on the mountain or alone by the lake. 
Everybody looking for Jesus. They'd be like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And of course we know Jesus is over there praying. That's what Jesus does. He gets off by himself. Jesus knew that he had to disconnect from the people around him to connect to God. And this is a problem we have sometimes, is that we don't disconnect enough from the world that's around us to really get on that same plane with God. I mean, look at, look at how Jesus prayed. I got a couple of things up here, just a few, just a few little tiny ones. Now, here's what we're going to do. Everybody get out your Bibles. We're going to open up and read all the, no, we're not. But look at, look at the time. This is just a, a sampling of when Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed at his baptism. He prayed all night before he chose his disciples. He prayed before he walked on the water. He prayed giving thanks to the Father before feeding the 4,000. He prayed before teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer. He prayed asking the Father to glorify his name. He prayed for himself and his disciples. He prayed in the garden. Jesus prayed. This is what he did. Jesus prayed, and he prayed a lot. Prayer was not just an occasional thing for Jesus. It was the way he lived. And if we want what Jesus had, we've got to do what Jesus did. Prayer is not just an action that we do. It's not something we schedule in our day. Prayer is a way that we live. And I understand. I understand because I'm a busy person too that you might be thinking, but I don't have time to pray the way Jesus prayed. I don't have time to do it that way. Jesus was Jesus. He could do whatever he wanted. If he just wanted to leave, he could do that. I got too much going on. I got too much to do. But listen, if you think you don't have time to pray, I want to tell you that you don't have time not to pray. This world is tough. This world is hard. This world is full of constant attacks from not just the people and and things around us, but the enemy. The enemy operates in this world. He's always putting the pressure on us, and it's almost impossible to be effective as a disciple of Jesus in this world without that constant prayer life that Jesus had. It's impossible to experience the joy that Jesus has for us. It's impossible to experience the peace that he wants for us. It's impossible to be a witness for Jesus without that constant line of communication being open between us and God. Look at all the stuff that goes on in this world. The world tries to divide us in groups and separate us and get us off and take us out over here. There's all this relational stress that we deal with. We've got financial pressures. We've got temptations. We've got complicated decisions. Anybody ever had to make a complicated decision? Anybody got to make one tomorrow? Anybody got to make one today when they leave here? There's all this kind of stuff, and we need, we need God's presence in those decisions. We need God's power in those decisions. We need God's grace in those places. And we don't just need it here and there. And there, we need it all the time. We know from reading scripture, we are in this world. We got to be here. We live here. We breathe here. We work here. But we don't have to be of here. We don't have to be shaped like the world. We don't have to look like the world. And listen, to be effective in this world, sometimes we have to disconnect from it. We have to disconnect from what doesn't last, the temporary, the worldly, to connect to the one who never ends, to connect to the God who never, ever ends, eternally focused on him. We have to disconnect from our school, have to disconnect from our laundry, have to disconnect from work. Yes, who said that? Thank you. That must have been Dan. Uh, (laughs) 
We have to disconnect from cooking dinner sometimes. We have to disconnect from all the things that we have that we think are important in this world so that we can connect to him. This is the advice Jesus gives us. And I'm reading this from the message um, paraphrase. And Harmony mentioned a couple of weeks ago that this is not a literal translation by any means. But I just love the way that it comes through in this uh, paraphrase translation of what Jesus is telling us to do. Matthew 6, 6 from the message says this. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. I want to stop there for a second because this is what happens to us so often. We know we're supposed to pray. We got like, we got like one or two well-rehearsed prayers in our head that just happen all the time. Somebody says, Chris, would you pray? I'm like, I can say it by, by rote. God says, get into a different place. Get into a place all by yourself. And that might not be a physical place. That might be a place of the heart. That might be a place that is just off where you are. He says, so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. And then listen, just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And look what happens. The focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense his grace. Jesus did this all the time. He got into a space where he could allow God to take over and permeate the atmosphere of what he was doing. And I said, that doesn't necessarily have to be a physical place. If you are more comfortable in a prayer closet or a prayer room or a chair or your car or the backyard or under a tree or in a hammock, that's great. But sometimes it's just an emotional and internal place where we just block out all the noise. We eliminate all the distractions. We put our phone down. Let me tell you what, Instagram will still be there when you're done and it will still be full of meaningless memes. It will still be there. Put it away. Get rid of all the texts. All those conspiracy theories will still be flying around when you are done praying. All that stuff will still be there, but we have to disconnect from this world, the temporary, to connect to Jesus, the permanent, the one who can give us the strength and the power to get through. Because intimacy, listen, listen, intimacy, it never happens by accident. If we want that close, intimate relationship with God, it never happens never happens by accident. It doesn't happen in your real normal lives. If you're married, you can't be close. You can't have a close relationship with somebody if you, like, never talk to each other. You have got to be in a place, sometimes without the kids, right? We all know this. Without the kids, without all the pressures, you got to get in that place so that you can commune. You can be in a relationship with each other. It's never by accident. The place we pray, whether that is physical or emotional or internal, is important. We have got to get to that space where we can allow God to take over that time. There's a story that we read. When Jesus was baptized, he goes down to the Jordan River, John the Baptist, JTB. He's baptizing people. Now, Jesus didn't have to go get baptized by John the Baptist, right? I mean, he's God. He probably could have baptized himself. He probably could have been like, I baptize me in the name of the Father, me, and the Holy Spirit. He probably could have done that. But remember, baptism is what we just learned is a public display of a private decision. So Jesus wanted to publicly display 
as an example for all the world. And as soon as Jesus gets baptized, we read that the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. That's all cool and pretty. That's a pretty picture. We have some people have that picture, right? Jesus standing in the Jordan River, dove coming down on his head. But you know what's interesting about doves? A dove will not land on anything that's moving. A dove will only land on something if it is perfectly still. Like Jesus was regularly with his father. If there's any motion, if there's any commotion, a little breeze, a little wind, a little, you know, whatever, leaves ruffling, the dove will not land. We have got to get into that place, whether it's a heart place, whether it's a physical place, whether it's a soul place, of, of just one-on-one alone time with God so that we can begin to let him be the biggest part of our lives. The place we pray is important. And then you might be asking, well, what do I pray about? Anybody ever ask that? I don't know what to pray about. Here's the answer. (laughs) Whatever you care about. Whatever's on your heart. Whatever's going on in your life. Whatever's going on in your friends' lives. Whatever's going on in your friends' friends' lives. It doesn't matter. Whatever you care about, whatever is on your heart, Paul says this, don't be anxious about anything. And that word anxious, we kind of take to mean like anxiety, but it doesn't. It means don't stress over it. Don't worry about it. Don't go through life saying, what happens at this? What happens at that? I got a plan. I got to make all these OCD kind of plans, you know, control freaks taking over here. He says, don't be anxious about it. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Everything. Every situation. If it's on your mind, I can guarantee you it's on God's heart. Talk to him. He's like a close friend. You know how when you have something going on in your life, the first thing you do is you you got a number on speed dial, right? Everybody got a number on speed dial. Somebody they call. Pick it up. Talk to him. That's what God wants to be in our lives. He is there. If you have questions, ask him. If you're mad at him, go to him. If you're hurting, go to him. If you need to tell him something, go to him. He would rather us come to him mad and angry and hurt than to leave him and not have a relationship with him at all. He is always there. Everything that's on your heart is on his heart. So we take everything to him in prayer. Nothing's off the table. And I think so often, We just can't get past this prayer hurdle because of the way we live our lives. We love to compartmentalize our lives. Kind of like a TV dinner. Anybody remember TV dinners? I'll tell you what. I love TV dinners. I really do. I don't care. This one happens to be Salisbury steak. Anybody recognize the Salisbury steak? But I also love the turkey and gravy. I like the fried chicken, except for I'm a little ticked off that they actually cut the fried chicken pieces in half. Because your boy wants a whole piece of chicken. I mean, come on. You got the veggies. You got the potatoes, which are usually padded with a frozen pat of butter at first. You've got the nondescript brown lump, which some refer to as a brownie. Sometimes you get peaches, though. Sometimes you get applesauce. Sometimes you get corn. But it's all nice and compartmentalized for you, right? This is what we do with our lives. Nothing touches. And I know there's people in here right now who appreciate this. Like my daughter, Emily, she does not want her food touching nothing. She is all like, she knows boundaries. She she has a plate that looks a lot like this that she eats off of. It's all sectioned out. Me, I just take it all and dump it all together. But that's all right. But this is how we, right? Yes. Amen. It all goes the same place, right? That's right. 
But this is how we live our lives. Our lives are a little bit like a TV dinner. We have a compartment over here for work. And we have a compartment over here for friends. We have a compartment over here for family. We have a compartment over here for golf. We have a compartment over here for, you know, uh, church. That's probably the smallest one for some of us. Come on. We put everything in a little box. And we try real hard to make sure those things don't overlap. We try real hard to make sure that everything stays in its compartment and doesn't touch because, you know, God never intended our lives to be whole and complete. That was sarcasm. Of course he did. And sometimes we only take out that God box when something really goes off the rails. But God doesn't want to be a part of your life. God doesn't want our prayer life to be Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for getting me to work. Thank you for getting me home. Thank you that I was able to decide what to do for dinner and nobody said, I don't know, you decide. Thank you, God. Five minutes and we're done. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want to be a part of your life. He is your life. He is your breath. He is your strength. He is your salvation. He is your rock. He is everything that you are, your breath and your strength. And your whole being, we said a couple of weeks ago, and he will never, ever leave you. Prayer isn't just an action that we do. It's a way that we live. It's how Jesus lived. Always prioritizing the presence of God through prayer. That uninterrupted time with, prayer, with God in prayer. And, and I got to tell you that I have a lot of prayer guilt. Um, there's a verse in Scripture that <laughs> I absolutely hated for a long, 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 long time. It's one of the shortest prayers. The shortest prayer, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. But it's one of the shortest verses after Jesus wept. It comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17. We're not going to put it up here. I'm going to read a couple of translations, but I hated this for a long time. It induced some extreme prayer guilt until I got some perspective on it. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 in the NLT says, never stop praying. In the NIV, it says, pray continually. In the King James Version, it says, thou shalt prayest without a ceasing. No, I'm kidding. It says, pray without ceasing. Prayer is our life. This is, this is, for Jesus, it was his way of life. It was this awareness when we pray that God will never leave us, that God is always on our side. It's not just making God a part of our life. It's not just giving God one thing of our life. It's not just giving God the bad stuff in our life. It's not just giving God the, uh, you know, the stressful relationship. It is bringing God into every part of our life. Prayer is getting alone. Being with God, whether that's, that's a physical space, whether that's an emotional space, giving him, talking to him, giving him what's in your heart. And it's so much more than that. Prayer is living in God's presence. Prayer is breathing in God's grace. Prayer is hearing God's whisper. Prayer is enjoying God's power in our lives. Prayer allows us to experience his peace. Prayer isn't just getting God to do what we want. It is aligning our will. Listen to this. If you don't take anything home, take this home. Prayer aligns our will with God's will. And scripture tells us that whatever we pray for, 
he will give us the desires of our heart. And that may seem like kind of a trick question scenario there. Because I know you're saying, well, I prayed for things and God didn't give them to me. But here's the deal. When we live like Jesus lived, when our life is a constant sacrifice of prayer, when we are always offering up that, that space, that time with God, bringing him into a part of everything, here's what happens. You start to want what God wants. Your heart wants what God's heart wants. Your eyes see what God's eyes see. Your heart breaks for what God's heart breaks for. And your will starts to align with God's will. So when he says, I will give you the desires of your heart, that's because in his plan, in this way of living in a constant state of prayer and presence of God, you will pray for what God wants. And he will give you the desires of your heart. When you're walking with God in a spirit of prayer, yeah, be careful. There's going to be some conviction going on there. He's going to be showing you some things that probably need to go away, that need to change. But there's also comfort in the trials. There's also peace that you can't understand. There's also a sense of joy that permeates all the bad and good situations. Joy is not situational like happiness. You get to know his direction. You get to hurt over what hurts him. You get to sense his rejoicing in your life. Prayer is not just an action that we do. It's a way that we live. And I have always felt like a prayer failure. And maybe you do too. It can be a little challenging sometimes, but I've read something recently by Max Licato, and, and he puts it pretty simply. Prayer is nothing more than giving God your thoughts. And he went a little bit further, and if you don't normally write things down, I would suggest you write these things down. If you normally write things down, write them down. Take a picture of it when it comes up. Don't put it up yet. Take a picture of it, whatever, share it, put it on your wall, put it on your Instagram, whatever you can do to remember this. But, but Max Licato says, give God your thoughts in these four areas. The first thing we do is we give God our waking thoughts. From the very first minute we wake up, when our eyes open, maybe even before your feet hit the floor, what is on your heart? What is pressing for the day? What is going to be facing you what challenges are coming your way maybe it's not a challenge maybe it's something you just want some peace in maybe you just want some guidance maybe you're just asking god to walk with you in those things your waking thoughts and then he says give god your waiting thoughts what are those things that are looming out there maybe decisions you have that need to be made maybe diagnoses that you're waiting on Maybe you have somebody with a long-term illness that you're just hoping and praying things will work out. All those things that kind of linger on down the road, we tend to forget about, right? Because this is what we do. We pray for it really hard the first day. We pray for it kind of hard the second day. By the third day, we're like, oh, yeah, God, don't forget about that. Thanks. And then by the fourth day, it's all gone and we don't forget about it. What are the things that are waiting out there in your life? He says, give God your waking thoughts, your waiting thoughts. And then he says, give God your whispering thoughts these are the things that you don't even really want to speak they're so deep sometimes so hard sometimes fear inducing but they're there we all have them 
we all have those places inside that we don't want to even vocalize because you don't want to speak it into existence, but God already knows what's going on. Give him those whispering thoughts. And then finally, he says, give God your waning thoughts. This is your end of day. When you're laying down, what has happened during the day? What can you give God thanks for? What can you praise God for? What can you ask God for to help you with the next day? What, what are the things that as you wind down your day, you need to bring to him? We give him our waking thoughts, our waiting thoughts, our whispering thoughts, and our waning thoughts. And listen, if we do that, guess what happens? All day long, you are in a constant state of communication with God. And it doesn't have to be big, fancy stuff. Something pops into your head. Say, God, you know, can you help me with this? That was a game changer for me. Knowing that I could just, you know, bring God into everything helped me so much in what I was doing from from a prayer standpoint. If you suffer from prayer guilt like I did, like I still do sometimes, you can be set free. God is waiting. God is there. God is wanting you to come into that communication with him, to come into that relationship with him. That's what he wants. That's the way it was designed from the very beginning that we had this open and constant communication and presence of God in our lives. Find your place, whether it's physical or emotional, whatever it is, find your place and pray and never, ever, ever, ever stop praying. God is there. He's on the other end. You got like a bat phone signal to him. All you got to do is pick it up. You don't even have to dial the digits. He is there. He's waiting. All you have to do is talk to him. He's waiting to fulfill his promise. And we can pray with confidence. John writes this. He says this This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. We know that we have what we asked of him. God is a man of his word. He's waiting. He's listening. He's there. He's always there. He will never leave. He will never go away. He will never say, new phone, who this? He will never hang up on you. He wants to be not just a part of your life, but your source of life. We have to disconnect from these temporary things of this world to connect to the permanent, eternal Father God and have his presence in our life all the time. We, we read earlier, we read Philippians 4, 6, but I want to finish this verse out as we close out today. Philippians 4, Verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. But then verse 7 says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. There is a peace that comes in this constant state of communication with God that you won't be able to explain. You won't be able to understand it. You'll be like going through the storm and the waves crashing over and you're like, why is it that I feel so peaceful? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The world won't seem so scary. The world won't seem so surprising. Because you got God right there with an open line of communication. Don't stop praying. 
When the waves come crashing in, don't stop praying. When things are going good at work, don't stop praying. When, you know, the bottom falls out of your relationship, don't stop praying. When your kids go off the rails, don't stop praying. When there's no more hope because your kid don't stop doing drugs, don't stop praying. When everything looks black, don't stop praying. When everything is going good, don't stop praying. When you can lift your hands and praise God, don't stop praying. When you can only fall on your knees and cry out to God, don't stop praying. Give him all your thoughts, your waking thoughts, and your waiting thoughts, and your whispering thoughts, and your waning thoughts. Because prayer isn't just an action that we do. It's a way that we live. And I promise you, if you live in this way, the way Jesus lived, in time, you will become more aware of God's presence in your life. You will sense him more. And so many of us, I have heard, I don't feel God's presence. If you want more of God's presence in your life, then you have to give more of your life to God. You have to pray and open that line of communication. And he will convict you. Yeah, that's a little scary. But he will also comfort you. And he will also strengthen you. And he will give you grace. And he will give you love. And he will give you mercy. And he will give you something that you can't get from this world I promise you the presence of God is something that you all want. If you don't have it, you pray and you pray and you pray. And you'll wake up one day. And you won't just be filled with a bunch of truth about Jesus, which is awesome enough as it is. But if you continue this and you don't stop, and it's easy to stop. One day you'll wake up and you will find that you're living the way Jesus lived. What would our world look like if we did that? What would your world look like if you lived the way Jesus lived? What would your family look like? Your friends? Your, your work situation? Whatever it is. What would your world look like? How could your world be changed? I just live in the way Jesus lived. Because Jesus is more. Listen, listen, salvation is the most absolute important part. There's the only reason Jesus came was so that we could be, uh, he could pay the price for our sin, that he could satisfy this debt, that he could once again defeat spiritual death, and we could be reunited, reunited with God the Father. That's absolutely the most important part. But Jesus came for more than that. He said, he said, uh, Harmony said this, or Dave said this on the, on, on the first week. He said, follow me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We can learn from Jesus. We can learn a lot of stuff from Jesus just by looking at the way he lived. And so often, I know, I know, I've been there, I've done it. I still do it sometimes, and I have to slap myself back into reality. We just think that we can do it all on our own. We know the best way. We know the best answer. We know the best route. We know the best plan. But I got to tell you, folks, that's not true. Without Jesus as your guide, without Jesus as your mentor, without Jesus as your example, first we come to a saving relationship, and then we follow him. We learn from him. We learn the way Jesus lived. And if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, we're going to end as we do every service with this prayer. And if you are in a place where you want to make that decision today, you can pray this with us. 
Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross as the payment for my sin. Jesus, I believe you rose on the third day, defeating spiritual death and separation. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Thank you so much, Jesus. And so, Father, help us to get this. Sometimes as humans, we can be a little thick-headed and closed off. But this is such an important part of what you want in our lives. Help us to know that by this line of prayer, this constant communication, prioritizing your presence in our lives, we get to see your will in our lives. We get to see your grace. We get to see your mercy. We get to see your joy. We get to see your peace. God, help us to get to that place where we can bring you into every part of our lives. That we're not just giving you what's left over, but we're giving you everything, God. Even for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, who have been followers of Jesus for a long time, it's so easy to get sidetracked. It's so easy to just get off track and, and, and say, oh, I'm good. Help us to get back to that place, God. Because without your presence in our lives, then nothing else matters. <laughs> and if you are fully present in our lives, then nothing else matters, God. We love you. And finally, we ask that you keep everybody healthy and safe. Till we meet again, and we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and together as a church, we'll all say, amen. Uh, guess what? I believe right about now the Kona ice truck has pulled up outside. Woo! Stand up. Let's, get, let's let the team lead us out, and then we'll all go out and have some Kona ice. How about that?